there's this invisible gap that exists between you and your employer when you say yes to a job. You may or may not realize it, but your HR certainly does. That gap, that chasm is the period after you accept your offer letter and before you actually start working for the organization. I mean, why do you think your next employer often asks you to buy out your notice period? Sure, it might be to get you on board quicker, but on a fundamental level, it's to check your intent. Now let's cut to 2021, when offers were flowing everywhere. People were offer surfing, using one offer to get to the other. And in the process of saying yes to somebody, they often had to say no to a lot of companies. And often these no's were quite unceremonious. But it became the new normal. The trust that existed between the employer and the prospective employee got frayed. And see, it's not like in 2023, there are layoffs happening, so companies are not hiring, and therefore there's no ghosting. In fact, quite to the contrary, according to publicly available data, although Microsoft laid off 10,000 people in the past 12 months, they also hired 40,000 people in the same time period. So there are people still looking out for jobs. And there is ghosting that's still going on. Albeit, of course, on a smaller level. But there's an interesting way in which HR is trying to bridge the gap. How exactly? We'll find out in this episode of Cost to Company. A podcast on careers in workplaces by the Ken. In this episode of CTC, we'll talk about teddy bears, bouquets, gift cards, Amazon Kindles, in-person visits for a one-hour meeting. So buckle up. I'm your host, Srivar. I don't think I would be wrong to say this, that every single recruiter on planet Earth has nightmares, right? The day before that, you know, first, which is also coinciding as a Monday, and you know, you have a bunch of people joining in. The one thing that you pray the entire Sunday is, you know, you should not get an email from a candidate saying that, uh, thank you for the effort or whatever, right? Like, let's take, let's stay connected. That is bad. That is that's Sufi. He's the current director of people success at Topline, a company that solves product-led growth and was previously the head of culture and talent at Trebo Hotels, one of India's largest budget hotel chains. I, I don't know how many Sundays of life I've lost just, just because of this. But uh, I think that that's a conversation for a, a separate day. See, it's not like the problem of ghosting or offer surfing is new. Companies have been experiencing it for a long time. It's just that it got exacerbated in the past two years. And this led to Sufi and his team take some drastic steps. Right now, at least say uh, Topline has taken a very strong stand that we do not interview people if they have accepted an offer. Okay, so if they've accepted another offer, you don't... I don't, we don't interview them. We have lost excellent folks uh, because of this, right? And 
honestly, if people do this across the board, this is just solved from from ground zero. Right? But yeah, I understand. Then you don't. Yeah. Then you just from the root itself, you're like you know people can't it, do it, it anymore. Exactly. Like, right. Like uh, it's and we also learned it the hard way. Right. I'll tell you why this happened with us. Uh, a couple of quarters back, we had someone joining us literally on a Monday. And this person had been consulting with us, etc., etc. On a Saturday is where, uh, and this is exactly a year and a half from now, uh, a year, two months, whatever. And on a Saturday, this person comes in and says that, you know, I'm not going to go ahead. After three months of consulting, after, you know, like literally, I mean, honestly, all of us are just considered an insight, right? Like, uh, mm. and that hurt us. That is because there was someone who came and threw an offer at him just because he was available in two days. Mm. We didn't want to be that person, yeah. right? And we learned it the hard way. And, and literally from that day, when you took a call saying that, hey, you know, going forward, you will not interview people who have accepted an offer. Sure, you are interviewing, you have an offer at hand, you are still what are negotiating, etc. But if you accepted, signed, uh, good luck. Uh, let's stay friends. <laughs> but yeah, I think uh, ghosting is a thing, right? See, uh, it's it's a it's a fact of life. You know, unfortunately, there's just so much we can do, which we'll obviously get to. Sufi and his colleagues at Topline burnt their hands while trying to appease people with multiple offers. But the problem still persisted. And sure, buddy programs or peer-to-peer programs have existed. But Sufi tried to operationalize the entire process. Enter BOFU, the post-offer follow-up process. A process that we sort of covered with the theme of driving on sheer experience and transparency is what I'll talk about. Now, uh, we divided the number of notice period days into five sort of touch points. So imagine if Shri is coming in uh, with a 30-day notice period. So for on day 1, 6, 12, 18, 24, and 30 is where I have checkpoints that are determined. Which means I literally have a tracker Shri. It says that, hey, you know, Shri's name is on the left. And there is touch point 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 with respective dates, right? And we said that, hey, can we define outcomes on what do we need in these five days? And against those outcomes, can we go backwards and see that what process or experience can be created? Now, say for the first one, the first touch point is probably post, just post acceptance, right? Now, uh, given she has already declined an Uber and a booking, I am already uh, in in a state where I know that, hey, probably she's just playing with us as well. So my first touch point could actually be to just see how serious is she, which means I might probably ask for a resignation email. The POFU process gave a sense of structure and rigor to this awkward period, which was after you accepted the offer, but before you actually end up joining the company. and. Why was it even necessary? I mean, things had been going on for a while without too many hiccups, right? So why create so many hurdles in the first place? And how exactly do you do it? I'm sort of mapping it backwards from an outcome. Right? I'm sure there are other ways to also look at this, right? But in my case, my outcome was to check seriousness. And the way I was reaching that goal was to probably check for subtle indicators. Check with see that, hey, you know, have you resigned? Uh... You know, probably put it on processes saying that, hey, uh, as the as you know, part of the next step, you probably need a resignation acceptance to, I don't know, trigger a SWAT, whatever, right? Like, uh, get get a lot more subtle indicators to figure out 
if Shri is even serious about this opportunity. So now, my first touch point has given me some idea on where does Shri sort of sit in, right? Like, is he is he this side? Is he that side? Uh, now, once this is done, uh, the the second touch point that we sort of go to now. Now, I'm, I'm just going to be optimistic today, uh, saying that hey, you know, Shri has resigned. Shri has shared a resignation email. Shri has shared a resignation acceptance. What next, right? Uh, my second conversation or my second touch point with Shri is just to circle back on, hey, you know, it's been six days that you resigned. Have you started your handover? Trust me, Shri, I have had conversations where I've had the most bizarre amount of explanations for not joining companies, right? So this is also based on a lot of experience. Okay, so we have a process and this process is driven by outcomes which are bolstered along the way with touch points. And while these outcomes seem pretty straightforward, albeit nuanced, what are some of the examples used in the POFU process? When it comes to rewarding your employees during POFU, the most standard way of doing this, of course, is the light at the end of the tunnel, the promised land, the Mac laptop, the company t-shirt, the swag box. But that really isn't enough. Let's hear from Sanam Rawal, the founding partner at Metamorph, a company that was incubated within the venture capital firm Blue Ventures ecosystem. Being a part of VC, she's worked with quite a few interesting brands. This is me talking about uh, 50 companies, out of which the most famous ones obviously were Dunzo, Healthify Me, Cashify, Unacademy, WebEngage, all of them that had teams under 50 people. Um, Dunzo was a 10-member team in a garage in Bangalore at that time. And what are some of the ways in which she did POFU at her portfolio companies? Bringing in, allowing the candidate to bring their parents in uh, on their first day to show the parents and have, and you know, like have lunch with the team to be able to show the parents on, you know, what it is that the company uh, does and how the first day looks like and things like that. Um, obviously, you then have uh, various touch points before the offer where um, if you do an assignment one and it's a very lengthy assignment from an engineering manager point of view. If you finish this assignment for us and you go ahead in the process, we will give you a Kindle at every step of the assignment. Um, we will give you a speaker. We will give you X, Y, Z. And then, you know, making them feel like, okay, you know, oh my God, like I, you know, I have to finish this process and luring them, incentivizing them to be able to do it. So Sanam tried the drip by drip approach at Metamorph. You cross level one, here's a candy stick. You cross level two, here's a bar of chocolate. Well, that's great. But here's Sufi from Topline again with a rather unique approach. This particular person that was coming in, in the first two touch points, we very clearly figured out see that you know, he is not excited about this opportunity at all. And you know, maybe for the right reasons, maybe you know, we were not able to match his expectations and whatsoever, right? Uh, but that indication was very clear. So we said that, hey, uh, you know, uh, this is this is where we are at. But during conversations, we figured out that uh, this person had a smaller daughter, and the, and one of the reasons he was considering us was because you know he had to drop uh, his daughter to school, which is uh, in proximity to the office, etc. Right? So we could understand that daughter and family was something that he was focused on. We said that hey, can we do something there to influence his decision? Uh, more often than not, people don't know the importance of family while you make such decisions in life, right? Like, I think it's highly underrated. 
uh, and also we also figured this uh, along the time we said you know can we do something to create a delight moment through that and that's where uh, we i you know i i remember sending out this huge ass teddy to this uh, you know engineering leader saying that hey like teddy bear yeah like this huge ass teddy bear to their to his house addressing to this person's daughter saying that hey this is from your papa's next company and it had a very you know sentimental effect saying that uh, you know uh, we look forward to meeting you in the office a lot more surprises etc and we didn't go ahead and you know scream this out saying that we have done this right we just said that and we said this this was our effort to create a aha moment and we moved out now the replication of this about two days later this person calls me and he's like uh, so you know i i got what you sent i've been working for the last 13 years my family never really cared on where do i interview where do i go right it's it's essentially been my call but the last two days my daughter has not left that you know soft toy that you said teddy bear yeah the teddy yeah. bear that you <laughs> my my daughter is asking me mm. when am i going to office so that she can accompany me because she feels that this company will give her a lot more soft toys etc or record her really it's the place she wants to be in. uh my mom dad came and asked which company is this that has sent something like this and honestly i think that was our turning factor for this candidate right? like we were able to create that delight moment in you know his or her life saying that hey uh, this is what we are as a company we we value that you know if if family is what you value then we value them as well if time is what we value we value them as well right uh, a very similar example so we always uh, uh, you know spoke a lot about empathy sufi created delight points with the use of teddy bears but that's not all he had another interesting story to share third touch point for another candidate that we are sort of interviewing and she's a female engineer from probably one of the top internet companies in india okay. the niche itself can you know probably get her through the door anywhere else right like and uh, say similar situation we understood that hey, you know uh, in, in the first two conversations it is difficult for us to convert someone like her high aspirations very meaty profile freaking excellent work right now uh, same we wanted to create some some delight moment and unfortunately uh, during that time where uh, you know this candidate was interviewing with us and we reached the third touch point in the process her dad was admitted to the hospital uh, and i knew this you know because we were in touch with them etc and she was not responsive right like you know but she was sort sure. of in in her in her uh, personal situation uh we sent out this huge basket of fruits and flowers to the hospital addressing it to uh, mr you know whatever uh, this this female's name was or uh, their surname was right and it just said that hey we are there in your thick thin times like that was the only message it didn't have anything else and you know uh, the company thing Uh, now you understand the relation that a daughter shares with a father right like it's it's a lot more closer than a mother or at least this is what i have been told so and uh, right after we did this right i think in about a couple of hours she calls up and she was not responding she was not responsive for the last couple of weeks and uh, she calls up and says that you know all my relatives are sitting there you know if my my dad is admitted he, he's probably on the uh, he's 
you know unconsciously like that and there is one person who comes in with this massive basket of fruits and flowers everyone asks me which company is this mm. right and and the messaging right like it's just very apt right? it said hey we are there in a thick and thin times that's it and this is done by a company that this person is not even sort of onboarded yet no. that was the aha moment that we were able to create so i think net net our whole objective was how can you go beyond transactional things right like what can you do to tell people that hey this is not just another company this is not just another job this is what we thought of believe by and this is what we thought of stand by right what's common between the teddy bear and the bouquet for top line it's going above and beyond transactional things because they realized that they needed to give a slice of the company's culture before somebody actually joined of course through some eye catching techniques the insight though was marvelous rather than just giving company merchandise to the employees they realized that family plays a big role in convincing somebody to switch jobs or to accept jobs honestly these examples sound great but do they actually work have they actually managed to reduce ghosting and improve joining ratios let's find out after the break hi there i'm snigdha from the ken audio team and i am here to tell you about my new podcast it is called daybreak every week on mondays wednesdays and fridays i bring you one business story that is worth understanding and worth your time For example in a recent episode I talked about Bhar OS India's newest indigenous mobile operating system and how in order for it to be successful we need to take some important lessons from our past attempts at creating a desi OS You will find the podcast on all major podcast platforms like Apple Spotify and Google Do give it a listen and if you have any thoughts or feedback I would love to hear from you at daybreak@theken.com Also if you like this episode of CTC please do not forget to share it on your social media handles and tag the ken Also if you're feeling generous rate the podcast on whichever podcast platform you're tuned into Thank you and now back to Costa Company Before we know if pofu works we need to understand if it can be measured Here's Sanam again We do something as simple as uh, email receipts, uh, being able to see whether the person is really uh, replying to us and you know has gotten our receipt and is you know like um, being able to sort of have a conversation with us. Uh, we go as far as doing cold calls for candidates, uh, acting like we are uh, some other uh, agency and trying to understand if they are actually open to taking up an opportunity or not, and understanding that metric from the candidate um, as well to be able to understand. And then lastly, you have uh, something which we. personally really uh, you know uh, look at uh, largely which is uh, going to end up being your uh, your uh, recruitment funnel effectiveness um, every portfolio company for us uh, has um, a particular so because we've been 857 hires we end up sort of having a overview of what is the recruitment funnel effectiveness of a particular company for a particular role uh, that metric basically gets calculated as per how well they have been able to do it in the previous role versus what are the things that after the 10 days of the person joining um, ends up uh, you know showing into what is the effectiveness of the funnel um, how many 
people has it taken for the company to reach their closure? Um, and what exactly is the touch point that the company is having, having after the 10 days? So this is after the 10 days of Metamorph doing it largely. Um, this has been able to um, help companies understand on how fast they closed X roles versus how fast they closed the other X roles and um, what are the um, touch points which work the most crucial for us. Like, for example, submitting the resignation. That for us is a metric that we follow irrespective of, um, you know, a 24-hour deadline, right? Uh, of how exactly is this person being able to go and do it. Uh, these for us are the various metrics that we go a lot more deeper into. The recruitment effectiveness funnel was something that Sanam was proactively using because it allowed her to compare the recruitment process across companies. Time to hire is an important metric to note here. Everybody wants to reduce the time it takes to hire, even after the employee is technically a part of the organization after signing the offer letter. So the POFU process gave her guardrails. It gave her a sense of how things are looking like. If it's being done fast, can it be done faster? Can it be done more efficiently? I asked the same question to Sufi if his deeds had any effect on the hiring process. Or more specifically, the gap that exists between accepting the offer letter and joining the company. If my joining ratio was back then 40-45%, we could push this up to 70-75%. And at least we would like to believe that this happened because we got a process in place. Because we made people aware that you know this is what we are and see by the way this is also had consequences for us right like you know too much information at times is also bad and we've burnt our hands as well maybe you know people came in with a very different perception saying that hey you know this is uh, what the company is you know this is what the rule is this is what the team is and maybe were a couple of conversations because they came to the office they met their peers uh they met the founder etc they've backed out and honestly that is better than someone coming in spending a few months and then realizing but see, so far, we've only heard of materialistic things. Let's meet someone who is sort of going against the grain. When you're hiring these very, very sort of like, you know, important roles, and you know that the person is going to be a huge asset, going out of the way is like perfectly normal. That's Sairam Krishnan. He's one of the founding members of Atomic Work, an HR tech startup based in Bangalore. Previously, he's worked with Axel and was employee number eight at Freshworks, where he was looking at product marketing and content. But you also shouldn't mollycoddle the employee. Um, you know, uh, this is also, we, we like, we shouldn't, we, it, this shouldn't be the case that the person is, you know, you're just like attracting them because of like some other stuff rather than the joy as well as the challenge of the work itself. So we have to be aware that that's not happening. So th this is one extreme, which is what we're trying to move away from and make sure that there's a process and make sure that there is some kind of like engagement happening. That's what we're going towards. But we shouldn't move so far that, you know, you're basically, you know, holding up, uh, you know, cotton candy and waiting for them to come eat it. That's not cool. Sai believes that giving too many gifts and goodies before a person even ends up joining might send the wrong signal. He admitted, though, that he himself does in-person meetings, sometimes which require him to take a flight halfway across the country when he's meeting a colleague who's about to join. He himself was recruited like that. But that's just a part of it. So would you say that the entire process of pre-boarding, is it a HR process or a business process? It's it's both, actually. Um, yeah. It's definitely both. Now, that's a very good way of putting it, actually. Um, mm. That it's both a HR process as well as a business process. Why why would I say that? At a, at a certain Until a certain time, HR took care of it on its own. 
But because there are so many of these drop-offs happening, it's become a business problem. So business mm-hmm. is stepping in to sort of help HR, so you know, so, uh, put some salve over it and make mm-hmm. sure that you know it's getting over. And so that's why that's how startups, you know, products like Atomic Work come in and in where basically it's smoothed over by mm-hmm. actually helping HR with a lot of business functions, with a lot of like you know efficiency coming into the picture. Sai is using the post offer process as a competitive advantage. How? I can answer from a marketing team's perspective. You know, I've led marketing teams in, you know, startups. Uh, So when you hire and when you sort of like go after a certain person for a certain role and you bring them on, um, what you want to see is where they are, what you want to see is where they are at a certain uh, time. Uh, What I do is like I have certain check-ins. Um, I one of the first conversations I have with anybody who comes on uh, and once they've agreed to come on is like a huge meeting, like one hour meeting, which I'm asking them how they want to be managed. You how know? they want to be managed. Okay. That yeah. Before so they that, even begin. With yeah, before work. they even begin. Like, because that's when, because this is my differentiation as a manager and I have to show it to them. Um, so I want to, I want to tell them that, hey, you want like weekly check-ins. You don't want them. That's fine. Like we can do fortnightly check-ins. But you need to tell me. Even before Sai and his colleagues start working together, they have a pre-huddle of sorts. It's like the classic lighthouse conversation. You see how far the light can go before you're even adrift at sea. All of these conversations are I'm putting it out in front of them, um, you know, even before they join. For example, for Sadhana, uh, I had given her an entire year's you know, progress checklist. She said she wanted to be at exposition in a year or two years. So I had given her a year's worth of like, this is what we're going to do now. This is what we're going to do in Q2. You, you need to be here at this point and I will give you this, this and this to get to that position. Like, if you want to be a leader, if you want to go from, you know, for example, content to brand or like community to brand or whatever. So then we had this conversation. She knows her path. So like, am I giving that to her? Um, you know, uh, uh, I'll rephrase that. Um, is like who else is going to like do that amount of work before she joins? So that means that I have an advantage. And, and I don't and I don't do this just because she joins. I mean that sincerely that I'm going to give her a career path. Uh, and that's my sort of like, you know, uh, you know, uh, differentiation as a manager. I have to because, see, like there are like, um, you know, there's like a bunch of like great marketing leaders. Uh, and, and she's like, you know, uh, uh, everybody wants Sadhana on their team. So the next thing, you know, like, you know, you, you'll have like three people calling her, giving her like two X. But I've given her an entire career path for the next two years. Is anybody else giving that to her? So in contrast to, say, a Sufi or a Sanam, who of course are in HR roles, Sairam took a different approach. The intangible approach, which focused on giving them a career path, a sound management style. It was intangible, but it worked. Sai told me later that one of the reasons why his direct reportees love working with him so much was because they understood each other's styles and each other's career expectations even before they started working together. See, I'm always of the opinion and I always have. Uh, is, is really candidate ghosting an unsolvable problem? Um, absolutely not. Um, I think that um, it takes some creative solutions to be able to captivate your applications from start to finish. Um, but every hiring team has to have the opportunity to 
create an uncommon memorable experience for the candidate um the goal is not to uh, find metrics to control it the goal is to be able to have a much more uh, you know rewritten and transforming hiring process with very personalized touch points that will make the person scale every step with ease um i think i would rather have my companies focus on uh, not knowing whether things are working or not but focus on doing the right thing the right way throughout our conversations we learned how companies were bridging this gap and what they achieved or realized along the way for sanam pofu was a way to gauge the recruitment funnel effectiveness to gather some hard facts with the help of data although she did admit that metrics and numbers can only take you so far in sufi's case it was not just to retain talent in the post of a phase but also to let them know about the company's culture and how much the employees are valued and for sai the marketing manager from atomic work it was his competitive advantage a sneak peek into his leadership style it was non materialistic but effective but see ultimately the most important stakeholder of the post offer process is the employee a good post offer process is one where it's frictionless personalized and welcoming of course you shouldn't get so excited and showered with gifts that your hopes are way off the charts once you join and neither should the process be so cold and distant that you don't feel like a part of the company the sweet spot is somewhere in the middle i guess You know the old saying, right? A little pofu goes a long way. How does the pofu process look like in your organization? I'd love to hear your thoughts. I'm on Twitter and LinkedIn. So is the Ken. Let us know, and I'll speak to you in the next one. This episode of Cost to Company was written, produced, and hosted by Shrivar Chotaria. with audio engineering by Rajiv CM I'm your other host Sneha and you'll hear from me next Tuesday on Cost to Company